This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds us, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson with Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing today? Doing well. I'm loving this fall weather. The leaves. Mm -hmm. I took a hike in Umstead this weekend. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Sam, are are you maximizing fall exposure like Mary is? I really am. We have a nice little wooded area behind our house and I was just noting how like earlier this week and last week like the trees are just popping off right now with their fall colors. So it's it's nice to look out every morning at my lovely wooded backyard. <laughs> yes, it is a wonderful time of year and Thanksgiving is right around the corner and of course the holidays as well. But we're going to be focusing today on uh, adapting and changing in our lives. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into this and we're going to touch on a number of subjects and, you know, things that change in midlife and later on in life and making sure that we've got our purpose. But we are very pleased to welcome Karen Randall on the program. Karen is a transition life coach with Karen Randall Coaching. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me here. You know, I feel like there's been multiple stages in my life where I'm moving or transitioning into a new phase of life. And sometimes, you know, you can feel stuck in between and looking back and trying to move forward. And um, I, I know that, you know, there's people in my life right now dealing with this. And so, Karen, maybe talk us through some steps you can take to support your time in this transition and, and not dwell and look back, but really look forward and start to build out what that transition looks like. Well, it's interesting that you talk about how many people you know who have experienced these things recently, because, of course, with the pandemic, basically our world was in a transition, right? So we all have had so many changes that we have dealt with. And I like to separate between change and transition when we're talking about this. Change is the exterior event. So Mm -hmm. a transition or children leaving the home or aging parents, career change, things like that. Transition is our interior response to it. And that's where we find ourselves sometimes getting stuck and looking back and feeling like we're not able to move forward. Mm. So these times can be very challenging because in midlife, in addition to saying goodbye to important roles that we have. We're also dealing with menopause and the impact that that can have on our bodies and our emotions. We might also be impacted by caring for aging parents and in that sandwich between kids and parents. And all of these changes can have a big impact on our relationship with our spouse or partner. So we know that um, these changes happen to all of us at different times throughout our lives. And that means that when we look at our friends or those around us, anywhere from 10 to 24% of the people in our group of friends are dealing with this at any one point in time. Mm. 
sometimes people move through something quickly and sometimes they get stuck. So what does it look like? It looks like sad or lonely, like our heart is aching with the loss. Mm -hmm. But the good news is that there are things that we can do. And the number one thing that I suggest and encourage strongly with my clients is that they slow down. Mm. I feel like that's so hard for us in this mm -hmm. day and age to like take a pause, you know, and and really think about it and slow down. Exactly, exactly. And that's what we're what we're really dealing with is a culture that tells us we can just push through these significant life events and the impact of them and that we don't really need to deal with them. Mm -hmm. What I like to tell my clients is that these times are actually an invitation. They're an invitation to look at ourselves in a deeper way, which allows us then to look forward to create a life that gives us joy that has purpose. Mm -hmm. So slowing down is important and experiencing those hard emotions is also important. The sadness, the grief, and the loneliness because if we don't experience them, they don't go away. They're just kind of sitting back there waiting for another opportunity to jump out and to take over, right? Mm -hmm. So you have this cycle that starts. You may have experienced this um, with all of these uh, changes that you have experienced and that you haven't had time to deal with because we're moving fast. Mm -hmm. So are there different different stages to a transition? Yes. In my system, I talk about four stages. And the first stage that I talk about, I call the ending. So something ends. And when we talk about an ending, we normally think an ending happens quickly. But actually, endings normally take quite a while, right? Because there's all sorts of details. Like if if you think about when a job ends, maybe it ends suddenly, and you go in to uh, your boss's um, office middle of Friday afternoon, and you come out and you don't have a job. And all of a sudden, you're walking back to your office, and you're cleaning out your desk, and trying to say goodbye and make plans to meet people for lunch and then you go home and you're figuring out benefits and you're getting your resume ready and you're I mean there's all sorts of things right but then all of a sudden that busyness stops and that's when you get into what I call the second stage and that's the stage of, of really transition, of being quiet, of listening, of resting, because it's exhausting to have all these emotions. And it's important to experience all of the emotions in this second stage, because if you don't do that, you can't create space for something new. Mm-hmm. So we experience the emotions to let go of what has happened of our past, what we've lost, and that creates space for something new so that we can start to create and imagine. And that's what happens in the third stage where we're looking at 
well, you know, now that I have this time, I, I could do this. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do that. And you get the opportunity to start to imagine how you could make that happen. And once that image of what you want to do becomes more clear, you begin to move into the fourth stage, which is how do I move from where I am for my life right now to where I want to be? Yeah, and that- as you're making that, that big change and you know taking those steps, that's what happens in the fourth stage. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, Karen, we've got some more questions for you. We do have to take a break. We are speaking with Karen Randall, Transition Life Coach with Karen Randall Coaching, and we're going to continue our conversation right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Our guest on the line is Karen Randall. She is a transition life coach with Karen Randall Coaching, and we're talking about life transitions and identifying them and stages that uh, we experience and making sure that we slow down and identify these and not just kind of plow through them, and that's that's kind of how we get ourselves into trouble. So, um, you know, we've identified these stages. So let's talk about moving forward and what needs to happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you mentioned, we just talked about some of those stages of a transition. And I think with some of those stages, there's definitely potential to get kind of a stuck feeling. So Karen, are there goals or something that people should be setting or defining in this process to keep things moving forward? Well, <clears throat> similar to grief, Everyone moves through this process of transition in their own way. And so I would say we don't want to set ourselves up for thinking, I should be here or I should be there, right? Mm -hmm. But realizing the process of transition does help you to move through it a little more quickly. But there are things that can get in the way. There are things in our family of origin, our culture, our religion, our school. Um, I call these fuku and ru, family of origin, (laughs) culture of origin, religion of origin, all of our origin stories that can get in the way of us moving forward. And these are the stories that limit us from living our life fully, especially if we are trying to make changes in the way that we are going to live our life in the future. So here's an example. Your family has a strong belief that going to college is the best and the only way to have a successful, stable career. Mm -hmm. But you know that your purpose is to be a craftsman and to create beautiful things. Perhaps it's something like hand-dyed fabrics or furniture or something like that, beautiful things. 
and you want to sell this through your own business, but there is a part of you, a voice in your head that just won't stop telling you that this is too risky and that you're not going to make enough money. And we all have those voices in our heads. I know that every single person listening is going, oh, yeah, <laughs> they can be loud. They can be hard to ignore. And these are the voices that we want to work with so that we can create a relationship with them and help them to quiet down. And we can then move into what is it that gives me joy and how can I bring more joy into the world? That's really helpful. You know, I think you, you touched on this a little bit earlier, parenting or after the kids leave home or, you know, for some people, retirement is a is a turning point or for listeners on our show, there's a lot of caregivers out there as well. And these are all yeah. roles that are very purposeful or a role that really defines many people. Mm-hmm. So when the kids leave home or you retire or your loved one that you're caring for passes, I can imagine it leaves this void. What are some things that you can do to help find your new vision and your purpose in this moment? Some of the um, most important things that you can do are finding others who are going through the same thing. We often feel like we're the only one and we're, we're, um, we're just caught in this story in our head. So finding others, talking with your friends, who are going through the same thing. I recently started playing pickleball, which I love. Oh, I love pickleball. I love pickleball. It's a movement, right? I love Um, it. Yeah, it's really fun. But in between games, I was standing, and there's lots of socializing happening. And I talked to three different people on this one day, and every single one of us was going through this same thing with our parents caring for aging parents and we all had our experiences that we shared with each other and as much fun as the pickleball always is I walked away from that feeling so much better about all of the other challenges in my life that I'm dealing with because I have aging parents that I am supporting at this point so finding those other voices who are dealing with that is really important. Self-care is really important. How do you care for yourself? What gives you light and life and energy? And that's where that being quiet and listening thing becomes important because you can't hear the answer to those questions if you don't get quiet and listen. Mm -hmm. And also allowing yourself to imagine what is it that I really want to do? Remember when I was 13 and there was this thing I like to do? I still want to do that and I did never have the chance. Allowing yourself to really think outside the box, not what I can't do, but what could I do? Mm-hmm. And then finally working with someone who can help you move through these. If you're really feeling stuck, this is the time to work with a coach who's going to help you by asking questions that can help to spark new ideas, that can help you to work with those voices that are very loud and obnoxious and trying to limit you. Mm -hmm. 
So we talk a lot about self-care on the show here, and and I think a lot of us talk about self-care in our everyday life too. But what does self-care look like? Is it going and getting massages or a pedicure, or is it something something different entirely? Um, I think that self-care is is individual to the person. So what do you need in your life to take care of yourself? For an extrovert, it's going to be being with friends and being with people. I'm an introvert. I need a lot of alone time. It could be exercise. I think for sure it's exercise because for me, I know how much better I feel every day if I take that time. Um, maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's creating. It's finding those things in your life which fill up your cup. For those of us in the helping professions, this is such a common thing. You cannot give from an empty cup. So how do you fill up your cup? What is going to allow you to feed yourself so that you have something that you can give to others, to those that you are helping? So I don't think that there is a one size fits all. I think, again, this is the listening. What is it that I need to fill my Mm -hmm. cup up? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking I'm replaying the caregiver role over and over again and throughout our conversation and, you know, feeling that struggle to find balance in caregiving and being able to step out of something, that role that is very new and foreign to so many, taking a step out of it and reclaiming some of that power back and timing, finding this self-care time for yourself. Is there anything, any tips that you can provide caregivers who may be listening on, on claiming back some of that self-care and time for yourself and really reevaluating what, what does a caregiver mean and how does it fit into my journey? Yes, what I um, invite my clients to do is to kind of flip the way they think about caregiving. So when when you're caring for your parents, your aging parents, there are two phases. There's the crisis stage, right? There's the highest priority. You need to support them in whatever has happened, a health crisis. Um, And all your career and and the close relationships and your self-care, they all take a lower priority during this crisis stage. But we move from crisis into chronic or a new reality. And when we get there, that is when we really need to stop and say, okay, now this is what their life looks like. How am I going to show up for this? And I ask my clients to start by saying, okay, what needs to happen in your life? What are your business and your career requirements that you have to meet? What does your primary relationship with your spouse or your partner, what does that need in order to stay healthy? And then self-care, what do you need to do in your life to make sure that you can show up? Is it alone time or time with friends. We talked about that. And then looking at what's left over and not only what's left over, but what am I available for? Am I available for helping with transportation, with meals, with any of the other problem solving, computer issues? That's a big one. Mm -hmm. You know, what am I available for? And 
to remember that it's not all up to me to solve all the problems. I can help to solve the problems. And sometimes I have to have a greater role in that. But it's not only up to me because my parents still have a lot to say about what happens in their life. And so creating a team approach is really important. Um, And learning how to communicate with aging parents, I think, is so important. And that starts with empathy. Mm. The idea of aging and losing independence and losing abilities is hard. And to acknowledge that goes so far in creating a team kind of feeling. You understand and you empathize with what they're experiencing. Yeah, that's a great way to get that communication bridge, uh, regardless of the situation, is being able to put your yourself in the other person's shoes. And, you know, as we've seen in caregiving, that, that really goes a long way and helps give us the right perspective. We're speaking with Karen Randall. She's a transition life coach with Karen Randall Coaching, and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. We are pleased to have Karen Randall on the line with us. She is a transition life coach with Karen Randall Coaching and We're talking about life transitions and changes that we undergo and making sure that we can still find purpose in ourselves after um, some major life events and changes that we we have been used to. And we've talked about uh, a number of different things. And I know we've got one more segment here with Karen. So let's get Mm -hmm. back to it. Yeah. And we wanted to talk briefly about COVID. I know, I know we're so tired of hearing the word, talking about it. I wish I had a dollar (laughs) for every time I talked about or heard about it. I could probably have a very nice beach house somewhere. Uh, But, you know, I think it's still important to continue talking about it, um, even as we're hopefully on a decline here, because it really has taken a hit on everyone's mental health. So Karen, what are some of the biggest lessons that you think have come out of COVID? Well, I think one of the biggest things that we're seeing is that so many people had the opportunity to take a step back and say, do I like what's happening in my life? Mm -hmm. And the answer for many people was no, right? Because we've seen this huge decrease in what they call the great exit, right? People deciding, "I, I can't continue to do this type of work anymore. And I think we're A lot of us are in that second stage right now, right? Like the rest and the recovery and what just happened, that second stage of transition before we start to imagine what could I do next? So I think a lot of that is happening right now. But I've also noticed recently that when everything started to open up, 
like life got crazy. We were all had this pent up energy of I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And right now I am seeing a lot of fatigue, a lot of burnout from trying to do too much and from trying to recover too quickly. So I think it's a great opportunity to, again, take that step back and say, what is the balance? What is really the healthy balance for me in my life? And I had a chance to to experience one extreme when we were in quarantine, and I've just experienced that other extreme of busy, 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 busy. And what is what is the right amount for me to live a healthy life? And how can I make that happen in my life? How can I look proactively at what I want rather than reactively? How can I proactively look at what works for me and then make that happen in my life? And you'll hear that um, same theme in all of the things that I have talked about. We can take control and we can look proactively and decide what is the way that I want to create my life and how do I make that happen? I feel like this is like this COVID whiplash, you know, we were at home and we were on quarantine and we weren't doing anything and mm-hmm. but working from home and not seeing anybody. And then now it's the complete opposite. And, you know, I went to my first networking event in two years yesterday and I walked in and I was like, oh, wow, uh, do, I, do I shake hands? Like, oh, wow, there's somebody I haven't seen in two years. And it was just kind of this whiplash. And I think that's something that the word I keep hearing over and over again in conversation is setting boundaries and what yes. do your boundaries look like and what makes you comfortable and you know and also setting boundaries I've, I started a new practice where I'm taking um, a night every week where I don't have anything planned and it's just my self-care night and I'm not doing anything but being with myself um, and I think that those boundaries are so critical right now mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely and the boundaries we need to set as you just said are with ourselves mm-hmm. right like I am going to decide that this is what I'm going to do, and I'm not going to allow myself to encroach on that one night a week or on that exercise or, you know, whatever it is that you have decided is going to help you to live a more purpose-filled life. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to switch gears a little bit here and talk about some of the stigma around menopause. You know, you mentioned that earlier in our conversation. We know all women go through it. Partners and families also hear about it, or they're even helping someone go through it, too. So for many women, it happens at the peak of their careers Mm -hmm. or when changes, big changes are happening in family life. So for those going through this, how can we start thinking about menopause differently? Well, I think you just set a, a great context for that, knowing that every woman goes through it. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we talking about it? We need to talk about it more. So <laughs> talking about a networking event, um, I recently did a um, virtual networking event, and I had been on a podcast that talked about menopause, and I thought, huh, I, I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to run with this. So in the introduction, I introduced myself and I said the word menopause in my self introduction. And it was, it was so entertaining to see the look on (laughs) people's faces. And I said, and this, 
this is why I'm saying this, because every single one of us has a degree of discomfort around this. Mm -hmm. But this is what we all go through, and it needs to change. So I think that each of us needs to take a personal responsibility for saying, I'm not going to be embarrassed about this. I'm not going to be furtive. (laughs) I'm going to be upfront and say menopause. And it is a life-changing event that all women go through. Mm -hmm. And you need to know more about it, and I need to know more about it. So I think we have personal responsibility there. Absolutely. You know, okay, so we've we've talked about a lot of different things here. We've talked about um, menopause. We've talked about caregiving. We've talked about, um, you know, becoming an empty nester or COVID. These all sound like such opportunities in the way that you've framed them. So is it ever too late to start reframing these transitional points and changes and make peace with the past and, and really change your mindset about what midlife looks like? I don't feel like it is. I feel like the invitation is always waiting for you, right? And you always have the opportunity to RSVP yes (laughs) or RSVP no, right? (laughs) And so if you you say yes, that door is going to open up and there's going to be a lot of steps that you need to take, right? It is a decision. It is something that requires your will to move into, but the benefits and the gifts are well worth it. You are going to be able to have greater impact on your life and on other people's because if we bring more joy into our own life, we are giving more joy to others. And I mean, that's making a better world. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it really is. Karen, thank you so much for these tips and for giving us a a good perspective on things. She is Karen Randall, a transition life coach with Karen Randall Coaching. Karen, if folks want to find more information about you, what's the best way to do that? Well, I have a website called KarenRandallCoaching.com, and there is an opportunity for a complimentary 30-minute sessions where we can just chat a little bit. And if you want to know more about transition, there is also a link to a short video. It says um, ideas to support you in transition. And there's just a little button that will lead you to that. So some good opportunities to learn more about your own personal transition and how to bring more joy into your life. Perfect. KarenRandallCoaching.com. Karen, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It was our pleasure. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with 
Mary Lucas, and we are going to shift focus once again, and we're going to be having a conversation about something that I'm probably the least qualified to talk about. <laughs> so that's why we've brought in a, a wonderful expert with us here, and that is Dr. Hajira Yasmin, and she is a board-certified gynecologist, and we're going to be discussing menopause and beyond. Dr. Yasmin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jason. I'm excited to be here and to share a few details about this important stage for women's life. Absolutely. And I'm excited to talk about it as well. Menopause for so many is a very difficult transition. You know, you hear about the challenging symptoms. I know my dad's thinking about installing an extra air conditioning split in their master bedroom right now. Um, <laughs> but it can also be, uh -huh. it can be a great time to reflect and consider the years ahead and how to take, take charge of that as a woman. And, but it seems like such a taboo topic and it shouldn't be. So why don't people talk about it more? And, and Dr. Yasmin, can you start with us there and um, and how, yeah. you, how you approach menopause and talking about it as well. Yeah, I mean, it is um, something that came very natural to me, Mary, because I have been in this reproductive health space for women right from pregnancy after childbirth and navigating through that perimenopause. You know, perimenopause, usually those are the years, they, are, they start about seven to ten years before menopause. And what does that mean? Menopause is actually the definition is like cessation of menstrual periods, which is the average age is about 51. Mm -hmm. But women start feeling the symptoms of, you know, irregular cycles, brain fog, weight gain, low moods, anxiety, and a lot of changes happening in their body. And it could start even before like seven years or five years or even 10 years. Some people wow. live in that perimenopause for a long time before they end up in menopause. So I try to talk to my patients and even when they are like 35 and 40 and 41 and 42 every year or every time I come across a, a patient in my office, I talk to them, how are you feeling overall? How, how's your general health? Are you sleeping well? Is there a weight gain issue? Do you have anxiety that's worsening? Is there something new that's happening? And even they develop heart flashes and night sweats and sleeping difficulties, you know. Uh, being a midlife gynecologist myself, I have mm -hmm. to endorse that it was something very different for me. I was able to detect these changes in my body and navigate because I had that knowledge of what is happening. And that's exactly what I want to do for my patients mm -hmm. and my women. I, I, I want them to ask questions. I want them to understand this is normal. This is a normal biology. This is a normal physiologic adaptation that's happening in our midlife starting at 40 or 42, and these changes can go on up to 55. I mean, people can continue to have these changes up to 55. And, and the definition of menopause, as I said, is the last menstrual cycle of your life, which we as medical providers say as final menstrual period or mm -hmm. FMP, the day you have that SMP, then that means you have entered the door of menopause. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and you raised a very good point, Mary. You said that there is a lot of taboo. There is a kind of fear, uncertainty, 
and and historically a little bit of shame mm-hmm. uh, associated with this stage in women's life and mm-hmm. uh, I, I have seen all of this in my patients I mm-hmm. think the fear is because you don't know what's ahead of this my body is changing I had my kids I had my babies I had a wonderful years of my life in my 20s and 30s and in my 40s something is happening to me so there is not enough support for women mm-hmm. during that perimenopause stage i think that kind of shuts them down because they don't know enough about it mm-hmm. and the second thing is historically it's been a taboo topic mm-hmm. like my mm-hmm. mother or my grandmother never spoke about menopause you know uh, culturally we are stereotyped or we are given this message or we have created a social construct to say oh, it's not a good thing to talk about perimenopause and menopause when you're sitting with your girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Or it's not something that we should talk about because it reflects my age. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of factors for women not to talk about it because that's the way we have been kind of scripted in our brains. It has been a social and cultural construct that have been there. And, and I'm trying to debunk all of this and try to educate women talk to them about their bodies to make this a much easier process. I love how you reframe it and and it kind of brings it a more comfortable and less taboo approach. And, you know, I want to shout out to the men real quick too, who probably hear more about the symptoms than anything, but as a partner for someone who is going through menopause, what are some ways that you can be empathetic and supportive of your partner on this journey? Uh, this is such a great question. I, I love, love to have partners in my office, especially for women who are going through perimenopause and menopause. I always encourage to bring their husbands, their boyfriends or their partners, anyone, you know, to come in because um, they need to know this is normal. They need to know this is the biology. This is the physiologic adaptation, just like pregnancy. This is a normal adaptation that your partner is going through. It's okay for her body to go through. She doesn't need to have hormones. She doesn't need to have treatments unless this is so bothersome that it's affecting quality of life for her. Mm-hmm. Unless it's affecting their relationship. She has infections or she has painful intimacy or something that's causing a health hazard to her. I think just to be with her during this phase to say, I know you're going through a hot flash. I know you are having terrible anxiety. I know you're missing those nights. You're not sleeping well. I think to just validate those concerns, Mary, from a partner, mm-hmm. it makes a big, big difference mm-hmm. uh, for, for women to have a supporting partner. Absolutely. So I know, Dr. Yasmin, we're going to have you on another show in the future to talk about the other health risks that come with menopause. And we've, we're starting to learn how to reframe that conversation now. Um, but there are other healthcare struggles once you hit menopause. Isn't that correct? And try to want to kind of foreshadow for our next episode, what are some of those um, other health risks that, comes al- that come along with menopause? um, It is such a vital piece of a woman's health, uh, Mary. It can affect right from your brain, like your cognition, like sometimes there's a short-term memory loss. It it has happened to me and it has happened to hundreds of women. We just don't talk about it. You know, where did I leave my keys? Oh, oh, what did I I do last night? Is that short-term memory, attention span, 
cognition skills, even your heart health, like your coronary arteries that can be blocked and your risk for heart disease increases after menopause. Then your bladder health, you could be getting urinary infections. Then your vulva and the vagina, it could have dryness. There could be pain with intimacy or physical intimacy. You know, and, and bones, and bone health is so important, like, you know, osteopenia, osteoporosis, and and. And a tons of an overall well-being, like you know, your muscle. You're going to the gym. You're working out. You 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 were putting on good amount of muscle in your 30s. What's happening in your late 40s? Why are you losing muscle and and uh, bone loss and bone loss and muscle loss and memory and anxiety and mental health issues? Like you know, people have a baseline anxiety and depression. They're taking medications, but when they are 55, when they are 50, they've gone into menopause. They are 60 years old. Why is my anxiety not getting controlled? So there are tons of um, problems that perimenopause and menopause can throw a woman. And we, we need to navigate this. We, we have to live because, you know, the, the average age life expectancy circa 1900 was 51 years of age. By that time, menopause was done and women's lifespan was very short. But now the average life expectancy for women is about 88, Mm -hmm. 85 to 88 years old. So there are half of women who are living like almost one third of their life, majority, 50% of their life in menopause. So there's a huge chunk of population out there who live in that menopause for four decades or three decades of their life. So this is a big problem, and we, 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 we are not doing a good job as medical providers. We are not tackling this. We are not talking about this. We, we do everything for preventative strategies. We try to do it as treatment for diabetes. We treat hypertension. We try to give SSRIs and medications for anxiety, depression. We do everything, but we don't talk enough about menopause and midlife changes. There's a major knowledge and care gap mm-hmm. in the care of these women. She is Dr. Hajira Yasmin, and we thank you so much for your time today and for uh, bringing this conversation to the forefront, which is something that you brought many times, really needs to happen, and we really appreciate that. If you want to read more about Dr. Yasmin, you can go online to alraymd.com, A-L-R-A-Y-M-D. Dot com. Dr. Yasmin, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason and Mary. Thank you for having me. I really loved it. Thank you. Thank you. We are out of time for today. We want to thank all of our guests for their time, and we want to thank you for joining us as well, and we hope you will join us again next Saturday as well. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.